Hello, this is your fertility pharmacist. This podcast is for women who are trying to overcome infertility. If you keep a pulse on late-breaking fertility research, it could positively alter the course of your fertility journey like it has for me. Hi, I'm Elise, your fertility pharmacist. Today's podcast episode is about a research article called Resilience as the Predictor of Quality of Life in the Infertile Couples as the Most Neglected and Silent Minorities. This research was published in the Journal of Reproductive and Infant Psychology in October of 2020, and it seemed like a good podcast topic for two reasons. One, it's a study from Iran, a country with a complex history and culture. I've never covered their fertility research before on the podcast. And two, it's a study on resilience in the face of infertility. Since we are in the midst of a pandemic and the holiday season, it seems to me like calling attention to the emotional sides of infertility are particularly important right now. Before we dig in too deep, I'm going to briefly talk about Iran to provide some much-needed context. While there's a ton to say on the country formerly known as Persia, in terms of its international politics and even how they've suffered many COVID-19 casualties, we're here to talk about the study that involves infertile couples. So let's get into the folks who make up these couples in this Iranian study. For most of its history, women in Iran have been oppressed, especially compared to women in westernized societies. There was a brief period in the history of this country between the years 1925 and 1979 when women had greater freedoms like increased education, voting rights, and the ability to initiate divorce. With the Iranian Revolution of 1979, however, any rights the women had gained during the previous ruling dynasty were eliminated, and then some. Iran is a predominantly Muslim country, and Sharia law was enacted with that 1979 revolution. These intense Muslim laws forbid women to travel outside of the home without their husbands, and education and employment became harder to obtain. A very restrictive dress code also came into play. Women could no longer file for a divorce, and the legal marrying age was lowered to nine. Nine years old. In 1981, the Islamic law of retribution legalized stoning someone to death for adultery. In the 21st century, some gains have been reinstated, and with increased technology, Iranian women are gaining a global stage to voice their dissatisfaction with the status quo. Now, bearing in mind this history, the stage has been set, and now we can turn the lights on today's study. This study set out to investigate the quality of life in infertile couples to see if there were differences in said quality of life based on gender and based on resilience. In this study, resilience was defined as one's ability to use internal and external sources successfully for the purpose of adopting to the developmental tasks. Resilience was selected because it had been shown to be able to predict in other contexts whether someone feels satisfied or distressed by their life situation. Gender was selected because past research has shown that men and women confront fertility differently, with women taking it harder than men. And the authors of the study thought it would be valuable to see these differences in a developing country where there are such obvious gaps in gender equality. That's what the study was about and why the study was conducted. Here's the where, when, and how. This study took place at a fertility center in an architecturally famous city called Yazd. Over three months in the year 2017, 220 couples had been asked at random to fill out the survey, and 202 couples agreed. It was a pretty high response rate, and my guess is that they found this high response rate because the folks were just killing time in the waiting room. Couples could fill out the survey if they were natives to the country, and if they were coming to the clinic to do intrauterine insemination, known as IUI, 
in vitro fertilization, known as IVF, or intracytoplasmic sperm injection, known as ICSI. Couples could fill out the survey together or separately. This survey had three parts, the demographics part, the quality of life part, and the resilience part. The quality of life part of the survey was specially tailored to fit in with the culture and economy. The resilience survey, that part was checked as being valid and making sense within the country, and it asked the couples to respond based on how they had felt in the past month. Now that's the gist of the study setup. Here are the results. Using a statistics program from Chicago, in the demographics part, they found that the largest cause of infertility in these couples was male factor, just over 40%. 30% of infertility was from men and women together, 17% was considered female factor, and 8% were those who didn't know their infertility background. The men in these couples were 5 years older than the women on average, most women in the study were ages 26 to 35, and most men in the study were ages 30 to 40. The demographics also showed that 17% of men already had a child. 90% of men had a college degree or higher, but we don't know any responses on the women's educational backgrounds. All that was shared there was that the women had less education. Well, I personally would have collected and analyzed the data about the women if it were my study. It makes sense that the authors didn't due to the historical gender disparities. Regarding the quality of life part of the survey, the questions were arranged in domains and gauged in satisfaction. The men had a higher quality of life than women in almost all areas tested, which included psychological, spiritual, religious, economic, sexual, emotional, and social satisfaction. Women were less satisfied than the men in every realm except physical satisfaction. Now, because this survey didn't ask fertile couples who were content with their children about their quality of life, Part of me wonders if the differences in satisfaction between the husbands and the wives had less to do with fertility and more to do with the pervasive gender inequality that structures the women's domestic and social lives. We can't know the answer to this, though, because the study didn't include a control group, which would have been those couples without fertility issues. In the last part about quality of life, there was not a statistical difference found in the quality of life between those who had a child already and those who didn't. It isn't clear as written in the paper if these are children from a previous marriage or mutual children of the couple trying to conceive. Regarding the resilience, they found that resilience was closely tied to quality of life. Since increased resilience correlated to increased quality of life, it's not surprising that the men in this study were found to have higher resilience scores than the women. From these results, the authors noted that infertile men seemed to experience higher resilience than women which leads them to a higher quality of life. However, the authors allowed for the fact that the men replying to the survey might have been misinterpreting the questions and thinking it was a test of their coping skills instead of what it was really intended to be, an opportunity to express their true feelings. Regarding the women's lower quality of life, they speculated this was because the women are the target of most interventions associated with fertility and that women may consider childbearing essential based on the culture. The authors concluded their paper with recommendations about supporting couples with infertility. They believe that women would be at higher risk for emotional challenges associated with infertility, and they advised infertility healthcare providers to assess the resilience of couples getting infertility assistance, noting that women could be at a higher risk for emotional challenges associated with infertility. They suggested that infertility patients should be informed that couples can perceive and respond to infertility differently, 
and that having that knowledge in itself might increase resilience. Personally, I have mixed feelings about the research. As mentioned, it would be helpful to know if the quality of life for the women is lower due to infertility or due to the gender constraints in their society. I also wish that the survey questions and responses had been recorded equally for men and women who participated. It would be nice to know how many of these women were able to fill out the survey without their husbands looking over their shoulders. And last but not least, I wonder why the men seem to be so much more resilient than the women to infertility. Were the men responding according to what their culture suggested they should be feeling, which to simplify could be considered macho bravado? Did they genuinely feel resilient and accepting? Were they confused by how the questions were worded? Did they think they were taking a test? This is a weakness inherent to doing a survey, and this is the information we've been given to work with. On the plus side, I appreciate that the author's efforts to increase the quality of the study were made, where they randomly sampled and kept the patient responses confidential. They also tried to contextualize and validate the survey questions and use widely accepted statistical methods. On a personal level, my heart goes out to these women who are experiencing infertility. In a society where their value is so heavily tied into an ability to create a family, these women really could have a harder time being resilient in the face of stress compared to spouses. The study also reminded me how infertility does not discriminate based on religion, ethnicity, or your geographic location. To conclude, despite mixed thoughts on its quality, I'm really glad the study was published. This research provides supportive evidence suggesting that women with infertility are suffering. Society can't change without the awareness and evidence to support changes need to be made. Hopefully, this study provides a call to action in its home country. For anyone who is not an Iranian listener, which is presumably all of you, I hope you found this information informative and inspirational. If you're struggling with infertility right now, I hope you have found support this holiday season through someone you know well or through a support group. I will post links to support groups and more information about the study in the show notes at www.yourfertilitypharmacist.com. This is the last episode I'm going to make for 2020. I wish you resilience and health for the remainder of this exceptional year. And I hope 2021 brings you what you've been yearning for. This is Your Fertility Pharmacist. Thanks for tuning in.